Amen. You may take a seat. The word of the Lord that comes to us this evening service is from the book of Nahum, chapter 1. And I want to particularly focus on verse number 7, which reads, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. These words preach to us what is been called, has been called the creed of Nahum. A creed is, uh, comes from the Latin credo, I believe. This is the belief of Nahum. Under the inspiration of the Spirit, he tells us three things. Three things he tells us about the Savior, about the Lord. Three things that you might say that the Lord wants you to know this evening. Number one, that the Lord is good. Number two, that the Lord is a stronghold. Number three, that the Lord knows those who trust in him. So firstly, Nahum says to us that the Lord is good. And I would like to ask you a question. Do you subscribe to this statement? Do you believe, do you agree with this statement that the Lord is good? You might say, of course I do, Pastor. Of course I do. Of course we agree with that. The Lord is good. And yet I would say to you, perhaps consider it a little bit more thoroughly. It is not a, a done deal that we all agree with this. We might profess it. But is it really that we believe in it? That we rest upon this truth? I will, would remind you that the two most blessed individuals up until the, the or in a sense, the two most blessed individuals in the history of the world, those who were created without any sin, perfectly good, that God said it was very good, this creation, our forefathers, Adam and Eve, they doubted this statement. When the accuser came to them, to Eve in particular, he cast a shadow of a doubt over this statement. And in fact, Adam and Eve, they fell. They, lie, uh, they, they denied the statement that the Lord is good. The serpent said to them, God is no good. Well, uh, why would he put a tree in the middle of the garden and tell you not to eat of it? If he is not to be uh, suspected of having a, some kind of evil intent in that. The Lord is not good. He doesn't want you to know the, the distinction between good and evil. And isn't the fact that they, although they probably would have said before that the Lord is good, by their actions at that moment, they denied the goodness of God. They doubted the goodness of God and they fell. And with their fall, we all fell. We, the sons and daughters of Adam, fell as well. And is it, isn't it the nature of, uh, that you could say, the, the foundation of every sin that we too deny the goodness of God by our sinning, by our fleeing from Him, by our suppressing of the truth in unrighteousness? Isn't it true that the men and women of this world deny the, the goodness of God in their actions and in their words? It doesn't take long in an outreach in setting when you're trying to evangelize someone, when you're trying to bring the good news of the gospel. It doesn't take long for you to, to hear those 
usual common complaints and, and, uh, and doubts being expressed. Oh, if the Lord is good, why is there evil in the world? Or oh, if Lord, the Lord is good, why does he allow these calamities to happen? Why did 9-11 uh, happen? Why did uh, the great tsunami happen? If the Lord is good, if the Lord is good, there is a doubt woven into every action of unbelievers and even they, they express it quite clearly. The Lord is not good. God, Yahweh, the, the Jehovah is not good. But is it just the unbelievers that say this? Is it just those who profess no allegiance, no trust in the Lord that profess this? Isn't it true that we too, children of God, oftentimes find ourselves doubting the goodness of God? If not expressing it clearly with our mouths, we know it in our hearts. We know it in our hearts that we've, we're doubting the Lord's goodness and that's why we anguish at difficult providences in, your, in our lives. Is God really good? In fact, you could say that even in Scripture we find that expressed in, in many examples. Psalm 73, Asaph begins by stating the truth of that, and that is the, the main point of, his, of this uh, hymn, the psalm that he wrote. He says, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But then he goes on to detail how he started to doubt the Lord's goodness in his life. And he says he almost stumbled. When the, the sea bellows rolled over his head, when he looked at the prosperity of the wicked, when he was facing all the kinds of trials and temptations, he doubted the goodness of God. And we see him make some really bold, honest statements, which he does take back. He writes this under the inspiration of the Spirit to show us his, how wrong he was. I heard someone say recently that the Bible is painfully uh, truthful about the people of God, that if the Bible had been invented by, by and devised by human minds, we would never find this kind of statements. We would never find Peter denying the Lord three times, would we? We would never find Abraham sinning. We would never find a, a talk about Elijah the, and his struggles. But yet the word of God does present that with no kind of uh, rose-tinted glasses. It doesn't try to hide it. It's there for us to see that God is good and that mankind is evil. Let me give you another example from Scripture. Job. Isn't Job a great example of this? The Lord comes or the, the Lord allows Satan to visit uh, Job with a fiercest of trials and tribulations. His, uh, his uh, cattle dies, his, uh, he, he lo loses everything, he even loses his children. And what does Job say? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you go, well, well that's not an example. Yes, that's what he said at that moment. But as things uh, compounded in his life as no deliverance came. What, what does the Job later on in the, in the book say? In his book say? He, he curses the day he was born. He starts to doubt the goodness of God. He quickly comes back from it. But nonetheless, 
Nonetheless, he does go through this. It is very easy. It is very easy for us to confess that the Lord is good when we are going through pleasant times, when we are in times of prosperity. That is when the Lord is doing good things in our life. What about when the Lord is bringing things that don't seem good in our life? Can we confess it just as easily? Thomas Watson, the great, that great Puritan that I would love you to read more, uh, he has a, uh, a small book that has been published by the, the Banner of Truth. It's called All for Good. It's an exposition of Romans 8.28. And he, you could divide that book into two sections. And it is divided into two sections. He says that the better things are for our good. And the second part, which is so uh, difficult for us sometimes to embrace and accept, he says that the worst things are for our good. That God is good. God is good when we are sitting down under the, the shade of the, of the vine and the fig tree. And God is good when that fig tree is burned down by the sun and we are lying there anguishing in the, in the, in the sun. God is good. Is, but is it good? Can you, dis, can you say that from your heart? Let me give you the context of Nahum. Let me just bring you to, to show a, a little bit of what is going through Nahum's uh, mouth here as the, the, the Lord brings this word to the people through him. Nahum 1 is full of judgment and wrath from God, from God himself. God is going to visit with judgment and yet in the midst of all this, and you could argue in the end as well, but in the middle of this pronouncement of judgment and wrath descending upon, we read this, the Lord is good. The Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who trust in him. There is a glimmer there of what is in, the, in Nahum's heart as he's inspired by, by the Spirit to put these things into, into words. There is a glimmer there that God is good. Even in the day of judgment, God is good. How can the prophet say that the Lord is good? When, when there is so much talking about the outpouring of God's wrath, how can you say that, Nahum? How can you pronounce this kind of thing? How can you pronounce that God is good when you say that the God is jealous and the Lord avenges and the Lord avenges and is furious? How can God be good when he will take vengeance on his adversaries? How is it that he's good in this? He is good. How is he good when, he's, when the, the, the whirlwind and the storm are, are raging? How is he good when he's making the, the mountains quake when the hills are melting? How is he good when he makes the, makes the earth heave at his presence? Nahum says, nevertheless, God is good. And is it really so? Why is it really so? Because it is in the nature of God to do good and to be good. He cannot be anything else besides good. God is in, inherently good. 
in his being, in his person, God is good. God cannot be evil. When you look at the sun and you see the sun shining so brightly, you cannot see it, but with modern technology, we now know that there are shades and shadows and spots in the sun. No such thing with our God. There is no spot in our God. He is good. You can pick up God as it was in, an, in a figurative manner and turn him all the ways around. Any way you look at God, you will find no spot in him. If God were, were to be pictured as a, as a room, you can go into that room and there is no evil in the room. And even if you start opening every cupboard of that room and, and opening every box inside of that cupboard and, and, and opening every small drawer inside of, that, uh, of those boxes, you will find not a sin single gram of evil or wickedness in God because he is good he is perfectly good in and of himself he is good whether you believe it whether you profess it whether you deny it or doubt it the Lord is still good the Lord is good whether you agree with Nahum or wh whether you close and clench your fists and say, no, he cannot be good. He is still good. It is not your perception of who God is and what God is that will change his nature. The Lord is good the day we are born and the Lord is good the day we die. The Lord is good the day our child is born and the Lord is good the day we are standing around the grave mourning for the death of that same child. The Lord is good in the day of our marriage. The Lord is good in the days of trouble. The Lord is good when we are uh, in health. The Lord is good when we lay in the sick bed. The Lord is good in all moments, in all times. The Lord is good when we sit to eat. And the Lord is good when we lack what to eat. He is good when the devil comes to you and tries to make you believe all sorts of things as he did with Adam and Eve. He is still good. God did not stop being good just because Adam and Eve uh, believed the lie of Satan. The Lord is good. Today, tomorrow, all our lives, the Lord is good. As long as God is there uh, and he's forever there, the Lord is good. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's in himself good. He is naturally good. He can do nothing but good. Even when he judges, he judges out of goodness. He is sovereignly good. He is perfectly good. And he is eternally good. No one is good as he is. In fact, when anyone else, anything else in creation put in comparison to God's goodness, that goodness is wicked. Why do you call me good, Jesus said? There is none good but God. There is none good but God. There is no wickedness in him. When Nahum says this, there is also a, a, a sort of, a, of an understanding of a miracle. 
a miracle of God's sovereign grace in his life, isn't there? Because no man can confess this unless the Lord has miraculously in his grace regenerated that man. Naturally, we push against the goodness of God. But Nahum says that he is good because he has been the receiver of a miracle of God's grace. That's why he is able to confess this. Our nature does clench their, our fists in our flesh. We clench our fists and, fists. and even if we recognize there is a God, we, we hate that God. Even if we, we have some kind of mental ascent knowledge of God, we hate that God. And you want to know why it is a miracle of God's grace? Because it's only when we learn of our own wickedness. It's only when by the, the shining of the light of God through the Spirit in the heart of those He comes to come and of those He visits with this miracle of grace. When we see ourselves through the mirror of God's law as wicked sinners deserving of nothing else but the judgment of and wrath of God, which is good. It's only when we see ourselves in that way that we come to bow our knees in, hum, in knees in humility and say God save me a worthless sinner it's only then when we see ourselves as deserving nothing but judgment that God by his spirit convinces us of, uh, of this truth that although we are wicked sinners he is good he is gracious it's only when we see our depraved nature, our, how depraved creatures we are, and that we are led to look upon the Son of God, lifted high on that tree, that we see that good, the Lord is good. So you see, there is an element that only those who trust in God can say this uh, confession. That anything else is but a, a simple mental ascent that bears no weight in the heart of those who, 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 who say it unless they are saved by the Spirit of God. The Lord is good. But Nahum says more, doesn't he? He not only says that he is good, he, he says the Lord is a stronghold. Number two, we see what, the, what God is in himself and we see what God will be to his people a stronghold in days in the day of trouble and troubles come just as we read in Psalm 142 didn't we troubles come all manner of troubles all types of troubles we cannot flee from them we cannot avoid them in this world we will have many tribulations we cannot doesn't matter if you're a son of Adam or if you're a son of God. If you're a child of God, trouble will come. All manners of trouble. You can say troubles in this life, temporal uh, troubles will come. We'll see troubles in, in, in the nation. In fact, we're seeing it right now with these wars and rumors of wars, with this threat, ever-looming threat of a world war. We, might, we will have troubles in our families. We will have troubles in our business, in our workplaces. We will have troubles in our churches, even. We will have troubles in our bodies. We'll look at the nation. We'll see troubles in the, in the economy. We have a recession or we have inflation going on. There's troubles of a physical nature, but there are also troubles of a spiritual 
nature. The depression of the soul, the darkness within us, the temptations of Satan, the persecutions, and I speak to believers here, the persecutions for truth's sake, doubts, fears, conflicts, we will find these things within us. We will find that we will be troubled. But in every trouble, the Lord is good. And Nahum says, not only is he good, he is a stronghold. In the days, I'm changing it slightly here before I go to consider what is the day of trouble. But in the days of trouble, he is a stronghold. He is a place of defense. He is a castle. He is that uh, Wartburg castle that Luther fled to. Luther, after the Diet of Worms, everyone wanted to kill him. Uh, or Not everyone, literally, but there were people out to get him. And Luther flees or is, is kidnapped and taken into the Wartburg castle. And there he waits for, for a more... Providen- in the providence of God for a more peaceful time to come out. And there he translates the, the word of God into German. That Wartburg castle that reminded him of the mighty fortress, the safe stronghold that our God is still as he wrote. What does it mean that he is a stronghold? It means that he is our place of refuge. That he is the place where we can flee, to which we can flee to when we are facing dangers. That we can trust in him. That we may trust his word. That he is true. That he is faithful. That he is stronger than anything that might come our way. That is what the word of God says. When he calls, when he, uh, it, it represents to us God as a safe stronghold. It's saying you must, you can, you will find safety in the castle, in the fortress that is our God, in the stronghold. Where do people flee? We don't have that kind of sentiment today. Maybe perhaps in the Second World War you could call the the shelters in the commons strongholds. People heard the sirens play and people would run to the shelters. But in the days of castles and strongholds, you would hear the trumpets. Someone would be in the, in, the, in the tower. They would overlook in the horizon and you would start to see the enemy coming. And the trumpets would play. And everyone from the city, from that town, would flee into the castle for safety. And there in the castle, there would be safety. For the most part, humanly speaking. But... There is safety in those who come to the Lord. The name of the Lord, Proverbs says, is a strong tower. The the righteous runs to it and is safe. Oh, taste and see, the psalmist says, that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. He is our strength. And we need to be reminded of this often. In, a, in Nahum's day, this was a, a very important reminder for them. That indeed, God was the stronghold. You can go to the British Museum even today, and there's records there of, of this invasion that was coming upon the, in the days of Nahum. We read how Hezekiah, in the Bible, we read how Hezekiah took refuge in the Lord. 
and how the, the, the army, the Assyrian army that was there was destroyed by an angel. The, 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 the Israelites, Ezekiah did not have to pick up a sword, a bow, or an arrow. The Lord took it into his hands. The Lord was the refuge, the stronghold of his people. And even to this day in the British Museum, you can read the, the recounting in the annals of, of the king. I forget the name now. Uh, but he says that he, see, that he besieged Jerusalem like a bird in a cage that, that, he, that he was uh, completely surrounded. What he does not say is what happened next. He does not say, it says that he received a ransom that the Bible tells us about, but he does not say that he conquered Jerusalem, does he? Because he did not. 185,000 men perished that day because the Lord was the fortress of his people, because the Lord undertook for his people. In the day of their distress, the Lord was their fortress. What about in the day of our distress? Is the Lord our fortress? Is the Lord the one who we run to? Or do we run to every other kind of thing? To every other kind of solution? Do we seek to solve things by our own hands? To create our own castles of sand? To protect us? Or do we flee to God? When devil, the devil tells us the Lord is not good. But if you do what I'm telling you, if you pick up yourself and do these things that I'm telling you, you will find safety. Do we heed to his advice? To his poisonous advice? How oh, we need to run to Christ. How we need to run to Christ. Like those in the Old Testament, uh, there were those cities of refuge. If you are... Uh, uh, involuntary murder is if by accident you murdered someone and there was an avenger for your blood there was a, a desire of someone to kill you an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth if there was one place of safety that you could run to wasn't there cities of refuge where there was a promise a law passed that no one in the city of refuge could suffer that penalty oh you need to flee to it you need to flee to that city of refuge because the Lord is indeed that stronghold. The Lord has proved himself over and over again that he is a stronghold. He proved it in the life of David. He proved it in the life of Abraham. He proved it in the life of Paul and Peter. As we were just considering as we go through the book of Acts, the Lord is a stronghold. So I ask you, have you experienced him as a stronghold? Is the Lord your stronghold in the day of distress? When trouble comes, not only in your body, but when the tempter, the, the, the devil, the serpent comes upon your soul and tries to impugn and impeach the truth that God is good, do you flee to the stronghold? Do you go there? Is he your helper? Oh, you can distract yourself with all manner of things. You can, you can uh, distract and, and trust all manner of things, but you, they will surely fall like a house built on the sand. And great will be its fall, the Lord Jesus says. Will you go to God for his grace, trusting in his grace in the day of distress? Because ultimately, this is about eternity, isn't it? 
In the day of distress, singular. In the day of trouble, singular. Will you go there? Will you seek upon in the Lord the forgiveness for, of sins? He is a stronghold, not only in, the, in, in time and for this time, but he is a stronghold for eternity. Where will you go? Where will you go if you reject this Savior? The greatest proof that he is a good God is the cross of Christ. That is the greatest proof of the goodness of God to filthy, undeserving sinners like you and me. What will you do if you reject this stronghold, this Savior, my Savior? Where will you go? To whom else will you turn in the day of trouble, in the day of judgment? To what will you be your appeal? Is it to your self-righteousness? Oh Lord, I wasn't that bad. Oh Lord, I, I went to church. Oh Lord, I, I did all these things. I served you in, this, in these matters. Will you appeal to those things? Will those things be your stronghold? There is only one refuge. As the, the hymn writer says, Other refuge have I none, hangs my helpless soul in thee. It is Christ Jesus we were singing earlier. I cried unto the Lord, I raised my voice in prayer, I showed him all my troubled paths, who for my soul did care. To whom will you run? Oh, be my refuge, we sung. Be my refuge from all guilt and lift me from despair. Be thou my only portion here and for my lost soul care. Where will you go for refuge? Because indeed you may have that city of refuge. But if you don't trust it, to go to it, no good will come about it. And that is the third point. Do you trust these truths? Do you know? We are told that the Lord knows. We are told, number three, that the Lord knows those who trust in him. And that is both a very comforting thing to know, and it is a terrible thing at the same time. The Lord knows. His knowledge is infinite. His knowledge is, uh, he knows every creature, he knows every state of heart, he knows every movement, every single movement of your mind, even as we stand here. He sees you clearly like an open book. Every single thought going through your head, every single distraction that you soothe yourself from listening to this message, he knows it all. He knows it all. But not only that, he knows those who sincerely trust him. Many, you know, profess to trust God. Many profess to trust in God. But indeed, they do not. Because they trust their talents, they trust their works, they trust their, their, their religious duties, they trust their, their, their compliance to religious forms, they trust their obedience as Christians. None of those things will save you if you don't trust the Lord. None of those things will save you if you don't trust this Savior, my Savior. None of those things will ever save you. 
They will only add to your judgment. They knows. He knows those who trust in him. He, so, he sees everything. He sees exactly what is the object of your trust. Is your trust because you once raised your hand. And I'm not... I've often spoken about this. The Lord does sometimes use these kind of uh, less than ideal methods used by some less than ideal preachers. And it does bring about salvation in those manners. If, if you raised your hand once in the service and you, the Lord saved you, praise God that the Lord saves in those manners as well. However flawed the method is. But it's not because you raised your hand that you are going to be saved, is it? It's not because you went down the aisle once or twice or three times or four times as I've seen many do and yet they remained unsaved. It is because of what he did on Calvary's tree. That's why you're saved. Is that what you trust? Do you trust the atoning sacrifice of Christ Jesus? Do you trust his righteousness alone for your salvation? Because he is worthy, worthy of our strongest confidence. Either he never lied. There is no man. There is no shadow of turning in him, in him. That is why he is good. Because he can be trusted. That he can be trusted when he says to us that he is a stronghold. In the day of trouble we can flee to him. Even though we are surrounded by all kinds of trials and temptations. We can trust his goodness. And he will deliver us. And he will protect us. God knows those who trust in him. You know the, the, the original word here. It's actually God. Uh, could, it's not actually. The translation is perfectly fine and, and good in this case. But uh, the, the, the language here conveys when he says that he knows those who trust in him. It's the same language that could be translated just as well. He knows those who flee to him for refuge. Those who take refuge in him. The Lord is good. The Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And the Lord knows who, those who flee to him for refuge. Have you fled to him? You see, the, I, I just used the example of the... the, the the sanctuary cities in the Old Testament Israel uh, where uh, unwilling murderers could flee to from, uh, from the wrath of the avenger uh, for the blood of the person they had killed. They were all, would only be safe if they actually fled to that city. If they knew about it, if they even professed to know about it, but they fled not there, they would still be in danger and perhaps dead at some point in the future. There is a necessity upon seeing the, the need for refuge to actually go and flee there. To actually go and make something of that need that you've seen and act upon it. There is a necessity on the part of that unwilling murderer to see that his life is actually in danger if he doesn't flee for the, city, for the sanctuary city. 
There needs to be as well spiritually an awareness of our need, of the misery and the danger that we're in because of our sin, and we stand in the presence of a holy, just God. There needs to be a fleeing to Him upon realizing that He is a good God that forgives iniquity. And it's not just awareness, is it? It's more than awareness. It's more than just the mental knowledge. As we were speaking not long ago, it's more than just the mental assent. Because the, the demons also believe in God and they shudder and they tremble. It is the fiducia. It, it is that trust, that resting, that faith. Do you have faith? Do you believe? Do you trust in Him? Because that is the only way. Faith. You've been saved by grace through faith. Faith is that instrument that brings us to the enjoyment of the grace of God. We are told that the Lord knows them. He knows those who have a distressed soul. He knows those who have a a desperate soul. He knows those who trust him. That is wonderful. That is wonderful to hear. That is wonderful to understand. He knows those who trust in the word of God and those who seek safety in the Lord and the Lord alone for now and for, the, for eternity to come. He knows them. And, in this, in, 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 and then it is true that the, the Lord knows those who trust him. Yes, he knows all the people. He know, yes, he knows all his creatures, but he knows those who trust him in a special kind of sense, in an intimate kind of sense, for whom the, he foreknew, he also predestined. In an intimate way, he knows his people. He knew his people even before he created them. He knows them in a blessing kind of sense, in a beatific, as the, uh, the old divines used to say, in a beatific sense, in a sense to bless. He knows their, their frame. He knows that they are dust. And he pities them. He knows you. If you trust him, he knows you in your fears, in your distresses, in your, in your anguishes, in your struggles, in your doubts. He knows you perfectly. Better, I might say, even that you, than you know yourself. He knows you. If you're a child of God, he knows you when you're in your room. The whole night, turning page after page of the Bible, trying to find a piece of comfort to bring any kind of relief to the pain you're in. He knows you. When every leaf of your Bible has been turned and you're still struggling, He knows you. He knows you when you're like Thomas in the middle of a dark, dark place with no light, to light of hope to shine upon your way. 
He knows you like Peter when you go out and, and you're weeping bitterly because of your sin. If you trust him, he knows you. He knows you when you spend all those nights fishing through God's word and nothing seems to catch the net. Seeking for fishing for encouragement and comfort and nothing seems to bring it. He knows you. He sees you. And in that day of distress, he is a comfort, a comforter for you because he is a stronghold. Even if you don't realize it, just like if, if you're doubting his goodness, he is still good. If you're at that moment uh, in the bitter Slow, uh, slow of despond. He's still your stronghold. You can still trust in him. He's still your help, even if you're in sorrow. You might ask, how do I know if if I know the Lord? If the Lord knows me in this case, how do do I know if the Lord knows me? How do I know if I belong to that people and uh, that the Lord knows? Well, Scripture says. Something else about people like the one Nahum is referring to. He says that the Lord knows them, but we also say that they read in other parts of Scripture that they know the Lord. So the question could be, do you know the Lord? Do you know him to be good? Do you know him to be a, a refuge, a stronghold? Do you trust this with all your heart and strength and mind? We know that we know him because he first known us. Let us not forget as well. As I finish, let us not forget there are many. There are many in that day, our Lord Jesus says, that in that day, he will say to them, I never knew you, even though they thought they knew him. Even though they had all kinds of uh, religious practices, uh, the display of religious duties. You could say even though they went to church for many, many years. Even though they served in, in all kinds of ministries of church. Even though they were a part of all kinds of ministries in church. Even though they were the first to put themselves forward as a volunteer in church. Even though they did all those things. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Why? Because they were trusting all those things, weren't they? They were trusting themselves. They were trusting their works. I've done this. I've visited the sick. I've prayed so often and so much. I've prophesied. I've I've seen miracles happen. And I did them in your name, Lord. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I've never known you. Why? Because they never trusted. They never trusted. They were self-deceived. And the Lord says to you, if you're in this case, I know you not. But God knows those who trust him. God knows those who display faith in him. God knows the heart of those who come to him. So I plead with you. I plead with you. Flee to the rock of salvation. 
Flee to the, to the rock that is higher than you. Flee to Christ. And bring nothing else in your hands. Bring nothing of religious duties in your hands. We, you will obey. You will do these things. But it's not because you want to deserve or to add anything into that justification that is by grace and grace alone. Take refuge in, in, the, in the one who said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Quite simple, but yet so difficult. Yet so hard for a prideful person laden in sin to, to, to go and do that. That, that means I don't have nothing to add. That means that I'm really just a poor, wretched sinner, evil and wicked, and I need to trust this Lord who is good. So let us receive this. Let us receive this cheering truth to our hearts that God is good. He is good every day. He is good yesterday, he was good yesterday, he is good today, and he is still good and will be good tomorrow. There's no changing that. There's no shadow or spot in him. There is not a 1%, a 0.0001% of wickedness or evil in him. And if you receive this, and if you trust this, trust him as well for his provision. Go to him as your stronghold in the day of trouble. To him alone run when, the, when you're facing trials in this life. To him alone, ex, from him alone expect your safety. Don't try to find safety in anything else. Don't try to find safety in the in, in, in the in your prosperity and in your in your or in the things that you can do in your talents. Flee to him alone. As we sung, lift your eyes upon the hills. See him as your only help. From whence does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. The psalmist says, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night the Lord shall preserve you for all evil he shall preserve your soul the Lord shall preserve you going out and you're coming in from this time forth even forevermore do you trust this do you trust this enough to flee to him every single time you need help and trust me as you grow older and as you mature in the faith you realize that you need help for everything in every second of your life so that your life becomes a constant fleeing to him and abiding with him in his place of security, resting under the shadow of his wings, as the psalmist says. And if you trust, and if you trust, and I'm speaking to believers here, and if you trust, draw all your assurance from this. Draw all your assurance of salvation from him. 
Do not look at yourself. Do not, do not look at your past. Do not look how, how much you've improved in religious duties. How much more holy you seem to be in your eyes. Do not look at anything else. But, but Him, trust in Him. Let this be your assurance that you, that you trust in Him. And that He knows that you trust in Him. And that is enough for you to have all the assurance in the world. Look away from self. Look to Christ. And He will be that assurance for you look to him as your stronghold as the strong one will deliver you in all seasons of life and if you do not know this Lord if you do not know him come to him now do you know him do you trust him because he knows those who trust in him. Stop trusting your own self-righteousness. Stop trusting your own efforts. Trust in him. In him alone. Because if this mighty God. If this mighty God is your foe. If you are to be an enmity with, at enmity with God. Verse 7 does not apply to you, but all the other verses do. You are an enemy of God, and you will certainly win. If you reject this word, what else can you look to? If you refuse his invitation, not my invitation, if you refuse his invitation, what else can you look up to? If you trifle and play with his mercy and grace, why do you expect that he will be merciful to you in the last day? If you spend all your life in this world playing with his mercy, trifling with it, knowing about it but never bowing the knee to it. It is a fearful thing. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God, of the living God. So I plead with you, consider, reflect, ref breathe solemnly to, through these words. The Lord is good, the Lord, the Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble, and the Lord knows those who trust in him. Consider these words solemnly. Where will you go if you reject this Savior? Where will you go if you reject my Savior? The one who is good, the one who is the stronghold, the one who knows those who trust in him. Where will you go? To whom else will you turn? At one time, the Lord Jesus confronted the disciples. Do you want to go as well? Do you want to go as well? When all others had left him because he, his message was not, not pleasing in their ears, not tickling their fancies. Where, do you want to go as well? And Peter, ever the, the, the great spokesman of, of the disciples, ever the first one to talk uh, and not think before sometimes, but in this case he says the truth in such a brilliant way. Where else can we go, Lord? Where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Where else can you go?
if you reject this Savior. Let's sing our final hymn. I believe it's 420. Uh, 480, uh, version number two. A safe stronghold, our God is still. He is still that safe stronghold today. He might not be tomorrow. So today is the day for you to flee for, to him for refuge. A trusty shield and weapon.